When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. But I'm a little concerned about Chris Bassett. I think we've got to be honest about what's going on here. You know, Chris Bassett got off to a tremendous start with this team. Uh, his first start that he makes in Washington, the second game of the season, whenever it was, second game of the season, was great. Six scoreless innings. We love Chris Bassett. Then he goes out and makes that opening day start and, again, is brilliant. And we all fall in love with the comment about, yeah, I'm going to go after Juan Soto. They use it as a commercial on SNY. Everybody loves what he said about, I don't care what the name is on the back of the jersey. We're going to grind you. We're going to beat you. All great. All fantastic. We all love Chris Bassett. He throws six scoreless innings against the Cardinals. Fantastic. Pitches really well against the Atlanta Braves. Everything's going great. Pitches well against the Phillies. Pitches well against the Mariners. And really the line of demarcation, if you're looking for one, over these last five starts, and it's weird that this would be the case, and maybe it's not, maybe it's a coincidence. I'm just going to tell you the things that happened right as Chris Bassett started to struggle. Number one is Max Scherzer got hurt. Because remember, Max gets hurt. Bassett makes the start the following day against the Cardinals. And I thought overall, like, we were happy with his performance because he pitched into the seventh inning. And that was, of course, the game that Eduardo Escobar blew with the defensive miscue in the ninth inning. And then Pete Alonso hit the dramatic home run. It was a great win. It was a fantastic win. And I think we all looked at Bassett six and a third, four runs, and said, ah, no, it's good. He pitched into the seventh inning, gave this team innings after Max got hurt. Great. At that point, he still has a sub-3 ERA. Everything's fantastic. Then he goes to San Francisco, and it's sort of forgotten about. He got destroyed in the game against the Giants. He gave up eight runs in four and a third innings. He gave up three home runs. And the reason we forgot about it is that was the game that they came back from eight to two down, blew an 11-8 lead, blew a 12-11 lead. And you think about that more so than you think of the fact that Chris Bassett literally gave up eight runs in four and a third innings. Then he bounces back with the game against the Phillies. Great. Oh, fantastic. Bounce back. Then he's got the mediocre performance against the Dodgers, which you sort of forgot about because, again, the offense did nothing. That was game two of the Dodgers series. And then you have this game, the finale against the Padres, where the guys get knocked out in the fourth inning, giving up seven runs. Like, this is now a five-start sample size where Chris Bassett has been bad. Now, the other thing that coincides in it, and I'm not accusing him of anything. Again, I just want to give everybody the facts and some background on it, is he got his contract. He got his $9 million deal, which he was going to get, obviously, arbitration, and that process is delayed because of the lockout. But then they tacked on that mutual option 
for like $17 million. And I want to make something clear. I don't think it's related at all. I'm just pointing out, because I'm searching too, what the hell's wrong with Chris Bassett? Gary Cohn thinks it's a, quote, pitching slump. Maybe it is. I don't know. Here's what I do know. He's been crappy for five starts, mostly five starts, in a row. And when you're without Max Scherzer and you're without Jacob deGrom, you kind of needed guys to step up. For the most part, Carlos Carrasco has stepped up. Taiwan Walker's been good at times. He was mediocre in his last start, but has mostly been good. Trevor Williams has been very good, even though he's about to be bounced from this rotation. And it's funny, the starting pitching hasn't really been great since Max Scherzer got hurt. So it's not as if, oh, those guys have stepped up. What's really happened is that they're scoring runs, that they're able to pound out 11 runs at a given moment. But I look at Chris Bassett right now, and I'll put him on the injured list with a fake injury. I'm not suggesting that, like, he's wilting under the pressure in New York because Max got hurt. I'm just kind of shrugging my shoulders saying, I don't know what the hell's going on. All I know is he's not pitching well. I'm telling you, I mean, that's it. Can I tell you what I think it is? I'm going to, I have a Go. positive, because I like to be positive in this podcast. I know you get a little negative at times. And I'm just telling it like it is. I'm not being negative. Okay. I'm telling you, he's sucked in five straight and, starts. And, what am I wrong and, about? and he has, and he has, but the positive is most of those starts have come against West Coast teams, Dodgers, Giants. He's pitched terribly against the Giants this season. Two games, he got lit up yes. both times. Dodgers and San Diego. They don't see him again for a for what, the rest of the season? No, well, I guess when they make a, a come back to New York. But that's it. It's the West Coast teams. That's his issue. That's his issue. He solved it. That's a, that's a nice po- That's a nice positive to look at. Hey, he pitched the one good start was against the Phillies. Division rival. Let's go. Well against the Let's Braves. go. Come on. All right, so, so when he makes his next start, which is scheduled to be against a really good team, the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, they're not a West Coast team, but they're not an East Coast team. And with your logic, what does that mean? Does that mean he bounces back? Or does that mean, well, he's average? Because it's not west, it's not east, it's in the middle. I would say more average than anything else. And that's fine. That's all I'm looking for. Because if the offense is fine, then we're, we're okay. Just give me Look, five, that, five that, <laughs> that That's been the case. I mean, really over this run since Max got hurt. And I remember when Max got hurt, I sit on the air. All-star breaks my line of demarcation. Because that's when I figure they'll be back. If it happens sooner, great. If it doesn't, you figure it's the All-Star game. There's 54 games between now, at the time now, and the All-Star game, and I just wanted the Mets to play 500 ball. That was my just survive while your two best pitchers are out. Obviously, they've played really well since then, so maybe the expectations change. Right now, since the Max injury, they have played 20 games, and they are 12-8. and So it's a little bit above 500. Uh, obviously, the twelve and eight's gotten worse over the last two games. They were twelve and six till the final two games against the Sandy against the Padres. But it's really surviving while these guys are out. Tyler McGill coming back is a big help for two reasons. Number one, Tyler McGill was showing a lot of promise before he got hurt. Obviously, but here's the second thing that I think is underrated in this: they're going to move Trevor Williams to the bullpen, and Trevor Williams is a really good long man to have. So on a night like tonight where Chris Bassett's knocked out in the fourth inning, you know, Trevor Williams, kind of like the way Pat Mahomes used to do it back in the day or Darren Oliver used to do it back in the day, could actually come in, especially in a DH league now, give you three scoreless innings and keep you in the game, especially with an offense that shows an ability to come back. Because what really hurt them today, not that they were going to come back from 7 nothing down, 
But Nagosa comes in and sort of lights it on fire. I mean, right out of the gate, he gives up the RBI double to Manny Machado, and then he runs into trouble in the fifth inning, gives up the bomb to Cronenworth. So, I, again, not that they were going to come back from 7 nothing down, but if you're ever going to make that kind of comeback, when you look at some of the comebacks the Mets have made this year, that's how they've done it. They've done it because their bullpen, it's the underrated aspect of it, their bullpen keeps it close. So it's not just... I'm excited Tyler McGill's coming back because, hey, he's Tyler McGill. He was showing a lot of promise before his last couple of starts. It's also improving your bullpen because you're able to take Trevor Williams and kind of push him back into that pen. So McGill coming back on either Friday or Saturday is a good thing. Now, right out of the gate, you know that Trevor Williams is a tag team with Tyler McGill because they still have to stretch McGill out. So he's only going to throw 70, 75 pitches, which means... Trevor Williams, at least in that first start, is just going to come in for Tyler McGill. So you're going to use essentially those two guys to hopefully give you, dare I say, seven innings. I mean, that's not unreasonable. You get four from McGill, you get three from Tyler, uh, Trevor Williams, boom, there you go. So it's not going to happen in the first start back because it's going to take some time to stretch out McGill. But getting their pitching depth back with McGill returning that's a tremendous thing. And that will certainly help as they go into this series against the Angels. Now, speaking of the Angels. <laughs> speaking of the freaking Angels. I'm watching them the last two days against the Boston Red Sox. They have lost one nothing games, I think, back-to-back. They have now lost 14 in a row. Beningo used to say this all the time in the NFL. I don't want to play the Patriots after a loss, bro. I don't want to play the Dolphins after a loss. Like, all these teams, you don't want to play after a loss. Now, while we all know the Angels are phonies and they're not that good, they've lost 14 in a row. They play Thursday night against the Red Sox. Otani's actually pitching. Let's go Angels. I can't have the Mets going into that series with the Angels on a 15-game freaking losing streak. That's a disaster waiting to happen, Hoff. They got to win. No, uh, this is not looking too good. I, I'm not looking. Do you see what the Angels are doing, by the way, to try to either get them out of the slump or something? I don't know. But they all walked up to a Nickelback song today. I that, saw. Because they're trying, yeah, to I just, saw. they're just trying to figure out a way to win. I'm not sure if that's going to help, but whatever, dude. Yeah, I cannot go 15 games, losing streak, Mets. That's not that's set up for failure right there. Well, I'll let you know how it went. And, and it's, a, it's a great attempt. Hey, let's try to get out of this slump by you know, hitting Juan Laguerre's fifth in center field and having Joe Adele, who's a bust bat second. Like, eh, let's try that. Let's also try to play Nickelback. They got shut out again by the Red Sox, okay? Five guys, half of which no one's heard of, shut them out. So it didn't work. I mean, the only elixir that may help the Angels, unfortunately, is us. <laughs> Not, and look, that is a negative comment. So I'm going to take that back. Not that we're going to get the Angels going. I still have confidence in this team, and I do think they're going to bounce back. I just mean in general, I don't like facing a team on a 15-game losing streak because the odds of them losing 18 in a row, which would be the ultimate goal, seem to be very, very slim. So it would behoove us as Met fans on Thursday night. Obviously, there's a Ranger game to watch. The Yankees are playing. I get all that to check in on the Angels and Red Sox late night. And hopefully, Shohei Otani delivers a great performance and the Angels win because I'd like for them to have a win before we go into that three-game series. That'd be nice. How did the Angels get that bed? Weren't they on fire to set the start of the season? Like, what 
turn yeah. that they've been so awful. I mean, Madden's gone now. Who who is even replacing him? Who who's the interim manager at the moment? Phil Nevin. Oh, Phil Nevin. Jeez. <laughs> How yes. did that happen? Is he a terrible third base coach and now he's the head coach? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I think it's funny when managers are fired, and we've experienced this as Met fans. I'll never forget. I was in favor of firing Willie Randolph, uh, which I guess time looks back on it and says, oh, that was a mistake. But what people forget is everybody at the time wanted Willie Randolph fired because the Mets had collapsed in 2007 and they were stuck in mediocrity in 2008. So being on the fan at the time, and I was back in 2008, 90% of Mets fans wanted to fire Willie Randolph. And the reason I wanted to fire Willie Randolph had less to do with Willie and more to do with sometimes firing a manager sparks a team. The Houston Astros fired Larry Durker and replaced him with Phil Garner and went on an incredible run and won the National League pennant. For anybody who's too young, yes, they used to be in the National League. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Marlins, that's another great example. Jeff Torber got fired. They replaced him with trader Jack McKeon. They went on a great run. And, And I'll argue this to this day with the Mets. When they fired him and replaced him with Jerry Manuel, they went on a run. Like, look at the Mets' record after they replaced Willie with Jerry Manuel. Now, it didn't work out all the way because obviously the Mets missed the playoffs at the end of the 2008 season. So you could argue, well, it worked to an extent. It didn't work as much as you had hoped. But sometimes, right or wrong, fair or not, firing a manager can spark a team. It's happening with the Philadelphia Phillies. And that's very relevant to us right now because all of a sudden the National League East, which still features the Mets having a nice lead, it's getting a little bit closer. It's down a single digits for Philadelphia. They're two games under 500. And I think it's obvious that firing Joe Girardi, as much as I respect Joe as a manager, has sparked this team. You know, it's like Bryson Stott hated Joe Girardi because all of a sudden nobody can get Bryson Stott out. But with the Angels, to your point, Hoff, it's not working. (laughs) You know, Phil Nevin becoming the manager is not sparking this team. But I think what also hurts the Angels and I can't pinpoint like the entirety of their 14-game losing streak, but here's what I could tell you. I'm looking at their lineup from the game on Wednesday night. You got Shohei Otani leading off. Great. Okay, he's not having the greatest offensive year ever, but you're leading him off. You got Joe Adele batting second. He stinks. You got Matt Duffy as your cleanup hitter. You got Juan Lagares batting fifth. It's just a really bad lineup. Mike Trout is hurt now, which is a major blow. Anthony Rendon is hurt, plus he hasn't been the same guy since he left the National League East. Can you believe that? They're just not, they're not good. And I'm not trying to jinx what's going to happen this weekend because obviously anything could happen this weekend. The Angels could sweep the Mets. The Mets could sweep the Angels. It's freaking baseball. But just being honest about it, they're just not good right now. And their 27-17 and start really feels like an anomaly. It felt like they just completely overachieved. But look, here's what the Mets have to do this weekend against the Angels. To me, it's very simple. We all went into this road trip 
saying survive it. That's what we all said. Just survive it. Go five and five. That's all you got to do. Tread some water. You're facing the Dodgers. You're facing the Padres. We didn't realize the Angels would have a losing streak as epic as this at the time. But okay, you're still in California. End of a long trip facing an Angels team that has some talent. Go get a split. And so here's where we are. If you win two out of three, if the Mets can win two out of three against the Angels, it's a five and five road trip. Simple as that. If they only win a game and lose two out of three, it's a four and six road trip. Not great, but not a disaster. If they somehow got swept by the Angels and now it's a five game losing streak to end this road trip. Yes, I think we'll all look at this road trip as a disaster, especially the highs that we had off of the split against the Dodgers and winning the opener against the Padres. But go win a series against a bad team in Anaheim. Go do that. You're not facing Shohei Otani, at least pitching Shohei Otani. You may not face Mike Trout. I don't know at this point. I haven't heard an update on how much time he's going to miss. I know he wasn't in the lineup on Wednesday night. And just go out and win a couple of games and get home after a 5-5 five and five trip. And I think if you do that, we look at this California trip and say, okay, it had its moments and it was overall a success. And that's it. Go to Anaheim and win two out of three. You do that. This was a good road trip. Is there anything that they could do offensively right now? Is there a Dom Smith call-up that would help spark this offense a little bit? Because that's the one thing that's hurt even more than anything. The past two games, they've really been so flat. They seem dead. Maybe they get some sort of lift somewhere. You know what the problem is with Dom? And I like Dom, so it's not a problem with Dom more than it is a problem with the situation they're in. If Pete Alonso's only missing two days, can you really call up Dom for two days to then send him back? Like, they called up Khalil Lee to give them another human, another body, because if they didn't call up Khalil Lee Lee and send down Medina, who didn't deserve to be sent down, but they needed another bat, they would have had no bench. And you obviously need some bench. I mean, even in a DH league now, you need some semblance of a bench. I don't think they would do that to Dom because in a weird way, it's sort of disrespectful that here's a guy who probably took his demotion hard, all right? Probably did. He probably didn't even see it coming. Now you're going to fly him out to California to get three at-bats and go right back to Syracuse. So unless Alonzo or Marte goes on the injured list, because I can make an argument how Marte going on the IL, I'd still call Dom back because even though they haven't played him in the outfield, I'd be open to playing him in the outfield. I want to get this guy some at-bats, but mostly probably at DH or first base with Pete DHing. If one of them goes on the IL... I think Dom's the kind of guy, Mark Vientos, who's another young prospect, would have been the other guy uh, who's got some pop, but Vientos is on the injured list down in the minor league. So I think Dom would be the first guy you'd call up and you'd give him a shot. Because I think the only time you call up Dom is when he has a chance to stay. I don't think you call up Dom for a day or two. I think when you call him up, he's back. But as far as who gets at-bats with Marte out or potentially Alonzo out, Obviously, J.D. Davis is getting a full opportunity right now. Uh, Luis Guillerme gets even more playing time because you could play Jeff McNeil in the outfield. And you even saw today with Nick Plummer. So those are the guys that are going to get more at-bats. And there's really nothing you could do to spark the team other than hope those guys perform. Hope that Francisco Lindor steps up as the quote-unquote best player of the team. And you make up for these guys being out. But I don't know if you're not putting them on the I.L., it would make you think that they're back sometime this weekend. I think the day off came at the best time possible 
to have this Thursday off day. First of all, the Mets have played a ton of games. They've played more games than anybody else consistently throughout this season. So A, an off day is good just in general, but B, giving an extra day for Pete Alonso to heal and for Starling Marte to heal to go into this series against the Angels. And then it doesn't get easy because even when they're done with the Angels, the Brewers are going to be a tough series at home. So, look, we'll see. Bottom line is the last two games have sucked. And you got a chance to salvage this road trip by just going to Anaheim and winning two out of three. You confident in that, by the way, Pete? No, I'm not. I, I usually am, but this is just, it, this seems very flat right now. It seems, this is, this may be, and I'm, if this is the worst stretch the Mets have all season long, I'll take it. It kind of has that feeling right now. It feels like this is as bad as it's going to get. And well, I you know what's like- funny? If it's, if first of all, you're right. If this is as bad as it gets, let's celebrate but what the Mets have done, and it's sort of been incredible this season, is that they have avoided the long losing streak. I mean, obviously, they went so long without the two-game losing streak until it finally happened. And now we've seen them you know, more routinely lose a couple of games in a row. But they have avoided that extended losing streak. So obviously, Friday night's important because you go out, you win Friday night, you do the same thing you've been doing all year where you avoid an extended losing streak. Losing back-to-back games is not really a losing streak. So that's why it feels as if this is such a bad stretch because they haven't had a lot of stretches in which they've lost a ton of games. I actually oddly have some confidence that they're going to go to Anaheim and at least win two out of three. I don't think they're going to sweep them. I think sweeping is very difficult. Even when the Mets are playing their best baseball, they very rarely swept teams until recently. Uh, But I actually think they will bounce back and they will play well this weekend. I don't think that... All of a sudden, they're going to go to Anaheim and lose three straight. I don't want to eat those words. Hopefully, I don't. And I just want to prove to you and some people listening that sometimes I can be optimistic. See? I'm optimistic. Listen, if Michael Walker can shut him out, then uh, I guess uh, anybody on the Mets can shut him out, right? Is that that how we – I mean, seriously. (laughs) Hey, it's a good way to look at it. And Buck has confirmed Tyler McGill is going to start the Friday night game. So, Tyler McGill, probably along with Trevor Williams on Friday – David Peterson, Carlos Carrasco over the weekend. One other thing real quick, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it. I just want to throw it out there to remind Met fans that we live in a different world. I read two days ago, courtesy of Jeff Passan, courtesy of Jim Bowden, who's not even a real, real reporter, but numerous baseball analysts connect the Mets with Wilson Contreras of the Chicago Cubs as a trade target. And I'm not telling you the Mets should trade top prospects for Wilson Contreras. I just want to remind you that we live in a world in which the New York Mets are going to be connected to every significant available player come trade deadline. We'll have more podcasts. We'll spend more time on who they should go after, who they should be willing to go after. But because we're not there yet, it's still only the middle of June. So it's not about Contreras. It's the idea that the Mets are going to be connected any significant player that soon becomes available. So, Met fans, even on a night and a day in which they're coming off losing back-to-back games, let's not forget who the hell we are. And you know who we are? We're the team that's owned by Steve Cohen. And despite how hot the Atlanta Braves are, and you knew this was happening, this is like when you're, if you're an NBA fan out there, you're up by 20 on a great team. You know they're going to make a run. You still may win, you may hold them off, but that great team is going to make a run. The Atlanta Braves are the reigning world champions. They are the reigning divisional champions. They were going to make a run, but despite winning seven in a row 
And I give major props for that. And despite getting above 500, Mets still have a seven-game lead, six in the loss column. It's a lot smaller than it was, you know, five days ago, but still a nice lead. You go win some games in Anaheim, Braves get tripped up, get this lead back up to eight or nine games. Either way, our next edition of Rico Bronia will be right after the finale against the Angels. That's a Sunday night game. So it won't be until late Sunday night, and we'll obviously get into what happened against the Angels and look ahead to their finally coming home and their homestand against the Milwaukee Brewers and the Miami Marlins. You can check out our man Pete Hoffman. He produces Tiki and Tierney, 10-2 on the fan, and obviously me and Craig Monday through Friday on the fan. Thank you for listening to another edition of Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>